Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lavish Hope, a podcast that highlights stories of resilience and overcoming. In this space, we explore what it means to be resilient in today's world, how to overcome challenges and find hope that is generous, abundant, and even extravagant. It's a hope that is deeply rooted in our faith, not some theoretical ideal, but gritty, real, hard-won faith. It connects us with the prophet's powerful, assuring message, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And our hope is that you'll come away from these episodes feeling encouraged and inspired with perhaps a new tip or tool to help you on your life's journey. So come along with us and embrace lavish hope. Welcome to the podcast today, Lavish Hope, Stories of Resilience and Overcoming. I'm Liz Testa here with my good friend and neighbor and sister in Christ, Vanessa Pollock from Maplewood, New Jersey. Welcome, Vanessa. So glad you had time to come by the podcast today. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. This is just a treat upon treats. (laughs) I was honored that you asked me to do this. Thank you, friend. Well, thank you for being here. And Vanessa, you know, you have so much in your journey that resonates with the concept of lavish hope, with stories Mm -hmm. of resilience and overcoming. So just to sort of get our listeners into relationship with you a little bit more, could you just, just share a little bit about yourself, a snapshot of your life and kind of where you are today? Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, I am an only child born in Kansas, raised in Texas and living outside of New York City for the last 20 years. (laughs) Right. Um, I have two of the most loving parents on the face of the planet who divorced when I was very young. And um, I think that shaped a lot of me growing up in terms of my own resilience and as an only child, uh, navigating the world in that way. I actually grew up with the huge dream to be a dancer. Hmm. Um, I grew up at the ballet bar and spent all of my high school years performing uh, with a ballet company in Texas went on to college to receive a BFA in dance and toured the country with an amazing company based out of Seattle, guest artists with other companies down in Austin and, um, and really thought I was gonna be a dancer for my, for my whole life. Um, in college, I met the absolute love of my life. <laughs> you can imagine um, I was a dancer and he was the starring actor in the theater <laughs> department and the two of us were just meant to be. Um, and he, uh, he was a believer and I was not. And that was a real turning point for me meeting him, falling in love with him and having him very gently and lovingly um, answer my questions and be on my faith journey with me 
um, as I was seeking. And he proposed to me three weeks after I accepted the Lord. And I turned to him and I said, wait a minute, you weren't <laughs> going to marry me otherwise, were you? And he was like, no, <laughs> but I knew, I knew that God had you as my person. Mm. Um, so we uh, moved to New York City as starving artists, hoping so much, you know, for what we felt like God was calling us to do, which so much for, for my husband was to be an ambassador of God's love in the artistic world, in the theater world specifically. Beautiful. Um, and I felt really strongly um, that that was where we needed to be. And so we moved to New York City and worked in restaurants for years and years and years. And by worked in restaurants, I mean like coat check, hostess, waitress, bartender, restaurant manager. Like we did all the jobs to make ends meet um, and had plenty of days where we were digging change out of the futon to try and get on the subway to get to our next shift, right? Yeah. Um, and we had this moment where Charlie said, you know what, I think I'm supposed to stop bartending. I think, I think people are being drawn to me as a bartender and maybe that's not where I'm supposed to be. And I believe God will provide for us. And he was right. Um, it was really a miracle that within weeks of quitting his job, that was really our provision, um, God put him into his first huge show. Wow. And so we just really realized in that moment, like we could be bold and take steps out in faith and that, and that God would always show up. Right. Amazing. And at the time I had realized that dancing was not going to last for much longer in my body and had taken a break and then had actually not gone back um, and really struggled with how was God going to use me? What was my purpose? What, mm. what was my calling? Right. Mm. Um, and so we watched this amazing uh, snowball effect within my husband's career where next thing we knew he was starring on Broadway and like all this amazing stuff was happening. Um, he got taken out on the road in, his, in a big national Broadway tour. And I went with him as the merch girl. <laughs> I was the one selling the t-shirts in the lobby in all the cities. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I was pregnant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yes. So midway through this huge national tour, I um, go back to stay with family, give birth to our first child. Then I take this baby out on the road with us. We travel the country with our newborn. We come home to the New York area uh, when our son was six months old. And we were like, okay, what's next? And Charlie said, my husband, he said, and I was, I was itching to work. I'm a worker. I stand at the ballet bar. I'm craving to do something, wanting to have some purpose in my life. Um, and not that being a mom isn't deeply purposeful, but when we came home, I knew I wanted to work as well. And my husband said, look, I'm in between shows. Let me take care of our son. And I really think because you love design and you love taking care of people. Like I actually liked waiting tables. I like serving people. He was like, I think you need to go into real estate. I think you really would be able to serve people in a way that maybe is a little countercultural within that industry. And you know, our spouses in the 
encouragers and the, yes. the voices that God's put in our lives yes. often know us better than we know ourselves. Yes. And thankfully I listened to him. And next thing I knew I woke up and I was a rental agent in New York city. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay, here we are. And everyone around me was lying, cheating and stealing. And I came home and I told Charlie, I said, this is not my industry. These are not my people. This is not what I want to be. And he said, you know what? Don't give up. I think you can uh, let's, uh, there's something still here that may not be your group of people, but now you know who you are within the industry. You mm -hmm. know who you are in the world and who God's called you to be, but don't give up. Right. So then I went into residential sales in New Jersey and got really clear on the fact that I, I would not be a shark. I would not steal. I would not lie. Like I had to be a light for the Lord in an industry where I knew it was a, at times, not everyone, but mm -hmm. at times a very dark industry. And I got really purposeful about, you know what, I'm going to serve people and I'm going to be Jesus to my clients and wow. in my community. And I'm not going to, I'm going to preach with my action, not with my words and hope that someday they ask me, why are you different? Why is your service different? Mm -hmm. As a real estate professional, why does this feel different, right? Mm -hmm. And open that door for a conversation about Jesus, hopefully someday. Mm -hmm. So I launched, you know, into residential real estate and, and really kept that up as, as my foundation. Decided after five or six years as a single agent that I wanted to launch a team and grow a business of servant-hearted, mm -hmm. community-focused generosity-based people with me to be lights in the world, right? And I also had to make a decision at that point as I had really risen the ranks and become the top producer in my company and then mm -hmm. wanted to grow this team. I had to make a decision about, is this a team of believers? Or is this a team of people in alignment who are out serving um, and am I going to minister to my team like I ministered to my community? And that was ultimately what God kind of told me and, and pointed me in the direction of, no, bring in people who you're in alignment with their core values, go out and serve, and um, believers or not, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you all, mm. right? And so in growing the business, I realized I wanted to have our mission be what people were gravitated to, not me. I don't want it to be the Vanessa show. I want, honestly, I want it to be the Jesus show, right? <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but again, remember, I'm like a super secret realtor for Jesus. Right. Um, <laughs> so I went to a church service and the, the message was love, serve, give. And I was like, that's it. That's my slogan. And then I was like, wait, love is a little cheesy for a realtor, but care, <laughs> care, serve, give. That is who we are. That is like the fruits of the spirit coming to life in a business. That Beautiful. is the mission that I can put out in the world. People will gravitate to that mm -hmm. and they won't necessarily know that that's that's just Jesus through and through but they'll yeah. they'll come into the fold they'll they'll be pulled sure. into that and so that has become this overarching growing business where we are 
thriving in our community as a business. We're actually the number one real estate team now for our two towns and our school district. Congratulations, beautiful. Thank you. And it's not me. I just go, yes, that's Jesus. People want being drawn to, to him and they don't even know it. The part of your story where you talked about how, you know, you really listened for God's guidance on, was it, was your team just believers or was it supposed to be kind of a both and um, with other folks and aligning with them? And I so appreciate that because, you know, here in the Metro New York area where we live in the world that we, you know, come from, we both have that um, performance background where you're just, you engage with people from many different types of faith traditions, different backgrounds. And, um, and believers and non-believers, uh, the nuns, you know, there's this group called the nuns that are people that do not claim a faith um, tradition. And you never know when God's going to touch someone, right? That's or how right. God is touching someone in a different way than God is touching yeah. you. And when you live in this kind of pluralistic, multicultural, multi-everything world, it's so beautiful that that you were able to be uh, open to that and not put yourself into what we would call like a Christian bubble, which in some places is perfectly appropriate. However, when you're in this kind of multi-everything world, it gives you that opportunity to shine up, to show up and shine out um, in a broader way because you're not kind of being insular about it. Right. Well, I, I just remember the light bulb going off where I was like, oh, wait, the creator of the universe has created every one of us fearfully and wonderfully, whether a person is a believer and and knows our Lord yet or not, they're still made by our creator. Mm -hmm. There's still so much value and worth and Mm -hmm. amazing opportunity to, to walk out life together. And um, yeah, it it was just very clear to me that I wanted, I I needed to go out and forward this mission with people who were in, in alignment with this, whether they knew where it was coming from or not yet. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And when you just said this, you were indicating for those who are listening oh. and aren't watching us, we're seeing, <laughs> we see each other today, but you have a fabulous t-shirt on that has I those do. three words. I love it. So when you said I, this, you were, you were yes. pointing to your t-shirt. Yeah. I was showing my care, serve, gift t-shirt, yes. which I love to wear all the time. And of course, I, I even knowing I wouldn't be seen, I had to wear it for you today. Yes. Well, <laughs> we don't know what, you know, we, we just put our, we do, we just put our next best, best faithful steps forward because we don't actually know this, uh, this video recording might someday be used. So that's right. Um, so we're happy to, to have it on camera, as they say. And we were both having a good chuckle before because, um, with Vanessa, with your, your husband's performance background, right? You've got, and your son as well is also yeah. a, a musician, but you've got your fancy microphone there as I've got mine. So we were, no, but what's <laughs> funny is now my, my mic boom is slowly falling. I'm realizing. <laughs> so I've propped my knee underneath it. So hopefully you still hear me. <laughs> exactly. You need to call your technicians into uh, that's right. To, that's to tech right. support. So very good. Well, you know, you were just mentioning um, a little piece of scripture there, right? From, for, uh, Psalm 139 about being fearfully and wonderfully made, but I'm wondering while, while you're just sort of um, talking a little bit about scripture, do you have any focused scripture verses that kind of has, have helped you either through the course of your um, kind of living into your calling or more recently? One that I think is so, you know, it's the message version and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a very direct (laughs) 
command. Um, and I don't know if you do any personality assessment stuff in your line of work, but I do a lot. And we have one called the DISC assessment, yes. which is, mm -hmm. and, and I'm a very high D, like, which is very direct. And so what I love from Psalm 31, 24 is be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to get here soon. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I just need clear direction. Just tell me, tell me what it needs to be, right? Okay, today, be brave, be strong, don't give up, expect God to get here soon. And I think that that timing piece is so crucial in that what I've learned through my journey is that God has planted things inside of me and inside of my family that I think early in my faith journey and early in my leadership and business development journey, I then assigned all kinds of timing expectations to. Mm. And now, as I know that God's timing is perfect and, and mine is so not, <laughs> I can read that part of scripture that says, expect God to get here soon and yet be reminded that the creator of the universe soon for him might be three generations down the road that he's going to, mm. his timing's going to speak and it come to life in something, or it could be tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And so I just stay true to the calling. I stay true to what he's planted inside of me and let go of the timing expectation. And, and that's helping a lot. That helps That's a lot. Beautiful. And, you know, we live in this world of now and of like, you know, get yep. it done yesterday. And that's a beautiful thing that you are part of your practice. And, and, you know, we're talking about you're a woman of faith who has really figured out, you know, how to live into your calling out in the marketplace. Right. And that's something that I think for our listeners is, is really an inspiring, uh, it's an inspiring journey that you've been on. And I think it's so important for us to realize that like the world has this kind of linear view of time and, yes. um, and then there's the Kairos time, there's God's time. And right. how do you actually live in that tension of both of them? Right. So Vanessa, what I was wondering is if you might have a story of resilience and overcoming that you could share with us of, of uh, you know, little. Um, so I have three children mm. <laughs> and anyone who has gone on the parenting journey and the working journey at the same time knows how intense that is. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I'm uh, the kind of person who wants to achieve at a really high level in everything that I do. Um, and so when I first launched into real estate, I had that one baby, right. And then, oh my goodness, I had a second and then, oh my goodness, we had our surprise third that we had never planned for, but God had a plan and was like, you, you don't know you need her, but you need her. <laughs> so thankfully we've, we were blessed with these three amazing kids while I've been building this huge real estate business. And Honestly, early it, um, I didn't feel very resilient. I was tired. I was burned out. I was working seven days a week. I was not the best mom. I was not a great woman of faith. I was not a good wife. I just was, I felt like I was failing in so many departments, um, or so many areas of my life. And I took this amazing class that really got me thinking about what is the one thing that if I change it, everything else will get better or easier or unnecessary. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was faced with the fact that I was holding on to the one thing that I thought was mine. Like I was pouring into my clients, pouring into my family, but what did I want to do? Well, I just wanted to pour into myself a big bottle of red wine. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And so when I was forced with this question of what is the one thing that by eliminating it, it might unpack and, and take me to the next level as a as a wife, mom, woman of faith and business owner, I knew I had to give that up. I knew Mm. I had to lay that down. And um, so I actually took my last drink of alcohol eight years ago, July 23rd Mm. of 2020. So it's been eight and a half years now. And in submitting that, which was the one thing I didn't want to give up of Mm. everything, Mm. by giving that to the Lord, I immediately bounced back. I like the, now I say immediately, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, It was like frostbite. When you warm up from frostbite, do you know how much it hurts? Mm -hmm. When the feeling all comes back to your fingers and toes, the tingling and the pain before you feel warm again, like getting sober and feeling all the feels and plugging into God and plugging into my family truly and authentically and honestly was the most painful thing and beautiful thing that I could have Mm -hmm. ever gone through. Mm -hmm. And it was on the other side of that, that then God planted this vision of care, serve, give into me. I wasn't ready for it and I wouldn't have been able to live it out the way I was living my life before that. And so again, God's timing was perfect. He was patiently, lovingly waiting for that <laughs> moment. He knew. And, uh-huh. and I'm just, prof- I can't even believe that um, just how gracious and loving God has been through that journey with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think so much of that, I, I can go back to the scripture and say, okay, be brave, be strong. That's a daily practice in my sobriety. And I know that God is with me and walking that out with me every single day. And um, yeah, that's, that's, is that the kind of story or was that too much? (laughs) That was fabulous. That was exactly (laughs) the kind of story. Vanessa, I think something that's so salient about you sharing that and thank you for, you know, your vulnerability and your clarity. I mean, it's, it's a vulnerable story, but you share it with that strength um, and bravery that I think um, is so inspiring. And I think in this world that we're living in right now, you know, we're we're in in the, the midst of this pandemic and Um, you know, we've also just had a lot of struggle in our world this past year and other areas too, you know, we've had a lot of racial injustice and, and, you know, we're, we're blessed that we live in um, a community, our two towns that, that does really stand on the front line to say, we're going to do this. We're not just going to pay lip service, but we're actually going to do, you know, transformational stuff, but that comes with a cost. And so as we're all trying to do our part to be safely distancing and et cetera, um, some of those things that we don't want to give up lurk right inside our home and I think of that course, that's for I all of that, us yes yeah. and I think that your story of you know laying it down and saying no to alcohol and eight and a half years of sobriety god bless you we Thank cheer you. you on every year I know you share that publicly <laughs> on your Facebook, and that is you know somebody needs to hear it some bodies mm. need to hear it 
And I just want to honor that I think right now in, in our moment, there's a lot of people that, that, that can glean great inspiration from that story. Well, I th- thank you. And I feel like it's, you know, there's a, there's a Japanese poet that has this quote, my barn having burned down, I can now see the moon. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like I've been through some fires. <laughs> like that was a fire that then I could see so much more clearly. And I've been through what I would call a forest fire in my business world where everything and the people and the systems, things had to burn down for there to be such beautiful regrowth. Um, And uh, what I know is that every single part of my journey, the only thing that's connective amongst the whole journey is me. (laughs) I'm the factor that shows up every time. So part of the resilience too is showing up and saying, where is my DNA on this? where, what do I need to change in order to be better, to do better? Because I can't point the finger at anyone else when I'm actually the factor that shows up throughout the whole journey and the whole story. And, um, you know, that's just me being accountable to me and my actions and thoughts and how I want to show up. And I definitely had a moment um, back in March, 2020, when the pandemic hit, where I was like, okay, is this my permission? Do I get to check out and just like drink and hang out and just like, and and the thought went through my head and I immediately went to my person. That's my husband. I was like, hey, here's the thought. This is, and you know what? I'm not gonna do it, but I need you to know that I'm having these thoughts. I need you to know I've never lived through a pandemic before as a drunk or a sober person. So I'm really not sure how I'm gonna do this, but I do know that the next right best thing for me probably is to continue to walk out this sobriety journey through this. Um, and I said, cause I think, I think it's important to be completely present with our kids through this, to be completely mm-hmm. present for our clients through this, for our community through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, th- one of the quotes that you hear about sobriety all the time is, yeah, it gets easier, but it never is easy. Like mm-hmm. it will never be easy. It mm-hmm. just gets easier. And, and, but this year was not easier. <laughs> right. And yet you're right. There, there's, there are, there's someone who needs to hear right now that they're not alone, mm-hmm. that they are, that they are heard, they are seen and they are loved no matter what, no matter what. And it's okay. And God's got you. And just, you know, for me, I just had to let him in and I had to listen to the still small voice that made me so mad. (laughs) It made me so mad. I knew what I needed to do and what he was calling me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, what I felt like was um, such an act of like, fine, I'll give this up was actually just the greatest, most beautiful gift that God could have ever given me. Um, And yet, we all get there again in his perfect timing. Mm-hmm. That's great. What an what an inspiring story and an encouragement for people, Vanessa. And I would say um, just for our listeners that if if this story is resonating for them and and specifically around sobriety with alcohol, and they feel that they need 
help in this moment. Um, is there an organization that you would recommend that they could call or I, I honestly am like the worst person to ask that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, What's mm-hmm. interesting in my journey, um, I had a lot of friends who were involved in AA mm-hmm. and I have deep, deep respect for that organization. And yet I felt so much of what AA is helps people do is plug into their higher power mm-hmm. or explore a higher power. And mm-hmm. because I felt truly connected to mine already, I didn't, I felt like that was a fellowship opportunity for people who hadn't experienced that in the past. Sure. And what I needed was to trust the people I was already in fellowship with to go on this journey with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thankfully was surrounded by such unconditional love of believers and non-believers around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's a great book though. I can, I can tell you that book <laughs> and it's, <laughs> That's great. it's, Perfect. it's not a, um, and I just read it a year ago after seven years of sobriety and it still really resonated with me and it's called the naked mind. And it, it's, it's not faith-based at all, mm-hmm. um, but I think anyone who is just wanting to explore what um, their relationship to alcohol is or isn't, I would say read that book, The Naked Mind. Great. Thanks. That's a great resource. And I think the other piece to take away here is whether you go to an organization or whether you gather people around you, the importance of a community that will lovingly hold you and hold you accountable yeah. and, and help yeah. you through it is what's really the important thing. Absolutely. Great. Great. So, um, so you were talking about your business and I know you've, you've got so many amazing things happening. Um, and and the thing that's fascinating, right. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we went on air that there's this thing about God's timing, right. And, and, Mm -hmm. and God's plan and purpose. And sometimes God works in advance to help us get ready for something. And that piece of your story, that's really kind of like present day. And in the midst of this crazy year we're having, I think is, is just a, a wonderful inspiration. And I was wondering if you, you would just share a little bit about that story of kind of figuring out how to address, uh, let, let me just frame it this way. As you were talking about the real estate business and March coming and everything, we know in our community right now, everybody wants to buy a house in our in our two towns yes. because everybody's trying to get out of New York City and, and right. fleeing to the the sort of, um, you know, the suburbs that are right on the urban cusp. And, yes. um, and so then that creates... Uh, you know, a lot of, I would think that's generating some, some wonderful business opportunities for you. And in that same moment, you're still living fully into your care, serve, give with wanting to support other people. So, well, so when, when I created care, serve, give six years ago and really implemented it into the business, I, I put together a business model based upon care, serve, give. Um, and I'm going to get to 2020, but I have to back up to sure, get there. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And what I realized is that there are really four levels to care, serve, give. There's self-care. There's the care of my team. There's the care of our clients. And then there's the care that we show to the community. Now take those four levels to service. Where do I serve personally? How do I serve the people who are under my leadership? How do we serve our clients? And then what service do we do out in the community? And then give. Um, Again, where am I personally giving? Spoiler alert, 
tithing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> then how are we giving um, on behalf of our team, on behalf of our clients and out in the community? And so we really implemented, you know, this giving model for our business all these six years ago. Um, now, I should say I am in a service industry. I am not in sales. And that I think is what differentiates us. Mm. I don't sell anything. I facilitate a buyer's desires to purchase and I facilitate an amazing experience for the sellers whose home we market and negotiate on behalf of but I'm not in sales, I'm in service. And so what I'm not really going to touch on too much today is the the real estate piece of it, but the impact that that real estate is then able to help us make within the community, Mm. which then is the give piece of it. And for us, the give piece is that I want to inspire generosity in our clients and in our community. It was very clear to me Um, Years ago, I went to church with this family whose generosity to my family and to our church and to our small groups was so mind-blowing to me. And I remember turning to my husband. I was like, I want to be like them when we grow up, (laughs) right? Like technically we're grownups, but we're not grown up yet. Um, I was like, God, what I wouldn't do to be able to be that generous of journey, story, home, hospitality, resources, like all of it, right? And so when I started thinking about the opportunity to what, how God was calling me to inspire generosity then in others, because it had been so, I'd been so inspired by it. I thought, okay, I have to approach this almost like a formula, right? Like, like how can we consistently show up and do this on a regular basis because I there's a quote I love that time on task over time is going to yield incredible results and I felt like okay let's build this giving model into our business and then over time see how God what God does through that. And so the the key points to the give model is that for our real estate practice all, well, 95% of our marketing dollars go into mutually beneficial marketing opportunities in the community. Like you're not going to see my real estate face on the sign of a bus or on, you know, a grocery cart. What you are going to see our logo on though, is a charity gala event, is a school's um, program, Mm. is some sort of community event where they're bringing people together and creating culture and art and community. Like everything that we want to do needs to be mutually beneficial to, yes, to the business, but to the, to the world um, and the community that we live. So that's the, that's the first part of the triangle. If you're, if you're taking notes, draw a triangle. So that side of it is community focused marketing, right? But then, you know, as I was building out this model, I did a ton of research and I was like, you know what, let me be sure this makes sense to build a business model on generosity. Like, is this real? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because what I feel like I'm observing in the world, I think it's real. Is it? I did all this research and, and the the businesses who have generosity hardwired into their operations actually not only get to make a difference in the world, but have better retention, um, give their employees a a mission to focus upon, Mm. and 
sustain for longer periods of time and grow at a steadier rate. And I was like, okay, this, this is real. That's and great. then I also read something that just blew my mind that children who grow up with people who are around them that talk about giving people who talk, children who grow up with role models talking about giving grow up to be more generous adults. Right. And it sounds so simple, but then I read all these reports about, yeah, that's real. I thought, well, how do I, because I'm serving families when we're serving like 150 families a year now, how do I plant a seed of generosity into the clients that we serve? So years ago, I launched Closing for a Cause. And what we do is we ask each of our clients to choose a charity that their family is most passionate about. And I'm going to make a donation on their behalf to that charity when Beautiful. their home sells or they purchase a home. And I specifically say, please go have a conversation as a family, include yeah. the children. Yeah. And I created a website and I said, go to the website, look at all the charities. Cause I kind of wanted to give them something to think about some charities to ponder and pray about. And then I know I got to plant that conversation into that family mm. to think and talk about generosity. Um, so that's something. So nobody's going to obviously get a bottle of champagne from, from me for a closing. <laughs> but So instead of buying them a bottle of Veuve Clicquot, I am going to make a donation to their charity of choice. And then that's the beautiful. last, and, and what's beautiful to me about that is that it honors people where other people are passionate. It mm -hmm. honors what breaks their heart in the world, right? Yeah. Where God has maybe told them, hey, I want you to go make a difference in the world around that. Mm -hmm. It's not about me, it's about them. Yeah. But then the third piece of the giving triangle is then what breaks my heart and how our business can make a difference right here in our backyard consistently, over time. So six years ago, we launched the Vanessa Pollock Music Initiative. Mm -hmm. Because when my son, who is now like out in the work world and a grown up and mm -hmm. he's just crushing it, when he was in elementary school, we signed him up for orchestra. And we realized that not every child in our school district could afford an instrument. Yeah. And my husband and I turned to each other and we were like, that's it right? Not only do we want to give at church at a high level, but we also want to bridge the gap financially within our community to be sure that every single child that wants to participate in music education in our school district can. They have the instrument to do it and that they, they feel loved and heard and they know that they are worthy of mm. access. And, and we just decided that's what we were going to do. So we have now fundraised for the last six years to make sure that, and it's on average around 120 to 130 students per year um, need financial assistance. Um, so our my real estate business with my Broadway husband sponsors a big fundraising concert once or twice a year. We gather the community together and, and we plant the seed of generosity back into the audience's heart and mind. And I'm so grateful for how the community has partnered with us all these years because 
it truly has been a community effort to fund this music initiative and make sure that these children have exactly what they need for every school year. Um, and then we also give music uh, lessons to kids who are nominated by the music teachers in the district. That is so beautiful. I love that that idea of the triangle and and the multi-layered, you know, as you were just talking about the self, team, client, and community. It's very holistic. I'm yes. hearing so much of what you're saying, Vanessa, is it being a holistic endeavor. Yeah. And well, what you beautiful. just touched on, and I want to be sure that your listeners hear this, it starts with self and self-care, right? Mm -hmm. It's care, serve, give. Care of self is the first domino down. Mm. And I can honestly say if I had not laid down my addiction to alcohol as the first thing that I could do from the self-care standpoint, none of the rest of it would have come. Mm. None of the rest of it. So it's very holistic. It is very much my whole life is showing up in this way of doing business and in this way of coming home and talking about generosity with my kids. The yes. agents on my team get to talk mm -hmm. about what we're doing as a business with their kids. And so it is, it's, it's, it's all life. It's all layers. Um, so and, you know, I think that so much of what I'm so grateful for is that God has made me bold and brave mm -hmm. to be so transparent and out there about, about all of it because I wasn't before. When I was mm -hmm. drinking, I was a different, I was the realtor during the day, but don't call me after 6.30 at night because that's when I needed to turn, I needed, I flipped the switch, right? Yeah. And I could yeah. not integrate the two. And I'm so grateful that God, I'm the same woman at noon as I am at midnight. And yeah. I just, uh, I can, I can see how he's able to move in mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah. And I would say too, I could imagine that your clients then, you know, they can, they can sniff that out. So, so I, I love to use the word authenticity, right? How do we show up? And, you know, for myself as a pastor, as a visionary leader of a, of a women's empowerment movement and of building yeah. God's church together movement uh, for yeah. women and men, for all God's children, um, how do I show up as my authentic self? And so I call, you know, my, my, my former church nicknamed me the rev of keeping it real. Yeah. And that's what you <laughs> yeah. do. You keep it real, Vanessa, that, you know, you still have that beautiful dancer, you know, star quality that still shines out of you. And God uses that for God's glory, right. For God's purposes. And at the same time, you're, you're authentic. Uh, you're being authentic about your struggles. It's not just all sort of smoke and yeah. mirrors that everything's perfect. Right. And I think people crave that they crave that well, authenticity in relationship. I think for so long, I was such a people pleaser and look, I'm not fully mm. recovered from that either yet. <laughs> it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong oh, journey. <laughs> it sure is. And I was, such a perfectionist as a dancer, like mm, ballet sure. dancers are yes. striving for perfection, right? That was hardwired into me. And yet what I've been able to transition into is no longer the pursuit of perfection because that is unobtainable and it's mm -hmm. rigid. Yeah. And yet it's a, it's a pursuit for excellence. Mm -hmm. Striving towards excellence is so much more fluid. And, mm, and when I can really be honest about, okay, I was, I was going for excellent and I fell flat on my face, <laughs> but I'm choosing to fail forward 
right? Yeah, um, because it's not about the adversity. It's about how we respond to it and mm-hmm. how we stay true to our calling. And then maybe our strategies have to pivot. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it is all just a journey though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it truly is. Yeah, we are, we are all on that journey. So, so our time is winding down, Vanessa. I just want to thank you so much because what a just everything you've spoken to just embodies that concept of lavish hope and mm. um and that it comes with needing to build resilience and overcome things in order to be yeah. able to really bask in that glow of yeah. of 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 hope that that um that is offered to us right as believers but but as as children of god just that that mm. we have an opportunity to live our life to the fullest and live it with hope and mm-hmm. with joy um and so i'm wondering um how are you cultivating hope today? Um, well, I think 2020 has been such the challenge for all of us, mm-hmm. right? And um, I think what I, I cultivate hope when I look back at the patterns of provision over my entire life. Mm. When I get still and I look at all of the moments where God just showed up in my life time Mm -hmm. and time and time again. And I chart those out. And Charlie did this at the very beginning of the pandemic. He and I sat down we're like, let's remind ourselves of the last 20, well, it was 22 years of marriage at that point. It was 23 this summer. He said in the last 22 years, let's chart out again, how God has shown up and the patterns of provision in our life, because we were afraid like everyone. And it was, were we going to choose fear or faith? Were we going Mm -hmm. to have hope through the pandemic or not? We charted it out again. We looked back, he showed up here and then he did this and then he did this and then he did this. And every time I stop and do that, I'm so excited and scared, but hopeful for, oh gosh, what's the next thing going to be? Oh, right. And he will be there with me. He will, he will be with us. And it's, I, and then you flash forward from March to the end of 2020. I look at what happened in the business over the course of that year and our business doubled Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe it's because our community knew that we were a group of people who would care for them yeah, and serve them mm-hmm. and continue to be who we've always been mm-hmm. in terms of generosity and giving back. And in times of crisis, I believe they were taking a step towards the Lord without even necessarily knowing it mm-hmm. because of they knew that they could count on care, serve, give as um, a way of doing life and business, and that in that we would protect them and keep yes. them safe, mm-hmm. and help them make the smartest, wisest decisions for their family possible. We've talked so many people out of selling their homes this year. Mm-hmm. We've talked so many buyers out of buying homes this year, mm-hmm. and we've still served twice as many people as in years past who th- needed. Um, who really who did needed need it. Yeah. who really needed us. And so for me, I'm cultivating hope by constantly reflecting on God's provision time and time again in my life and trusting in him for mm-hmm. taking one step forward and knowing that he He will never let me down. 
That's beautiful. So I'm just wondering, Vanessa, if um, if there's folks out there listening who are small business owners who are just really catching like this vision of what Care, Serve, Give, uh, that type of practice could mean for them. What would you say to them? Well, look, this is my ministry, right? And it's out in the secular world, but it feels, I feel as much like this is a ministry as, you know, my husband, he was a pastor for three years, you know, like we feel like all of it is a ministry. And so if someone wants to take a class on this business model for their own small business, you can just go to careservegive.com and it will ask you to uh, join our directory. Um, You'll fill out a form and it'll take you to a free online training. And, you know, I, I put this class online almost three years ago, two and a half years ago. So again, what's so crazy cool. is <laughs> online teaching was not a thing like it is, right. was, has become now. And yet it's been living there for years. I felt called to put it out there for small business owners to take. Um, and I haven't done much with it for the last two and a half years. It's very grassroots mm-hmm. and it's free. It's a gift to the world because again, mm-hmm. anyone who wants to put this business model as a ministry into effect for their for their business, I'd be honored and would make myself available to any questions afterwards too. Well, there you have it, my dear listeners, from Vanessa Pollock herself, an invitation if you'd like to learn more about what Care, Serve, Give could do for your small business, whatever it might be. Um, she created this two and a half years ago, but surely God knew the plan for a future <laughs> and a hope <laughs> for Amen. all of us. <laughs> Remember, so let go of the timing. Stay yes. true to the calling. Let yes. go of the timing. <laughs> yes. So just know that there's a, that's a lovely free um, online training that you can avail yourself of. And uh, I'm sure also... Um, if folks want to get in touch with you for other reasons, they can also get your contact information there. Absolutely. So Vanessa, thank you so much for your time today, for coming by the podcast and sharing so much of your own personal journey, as well as that of your calling into um, ministry of service uh, mm. through real estate and, and just the way that you are blessing our community um, mm. in Maplewood, South Orange, New Jersey, but also having ripple effects that are very far reaching. Mm. Um, so thank, thank you. you so I much. am beyond honored that you asked me to do this. Like this is just such a treat. And thank you for how you're following God's call on your life and how you're inspiring so many people, both in our region and in our country and around the world. He's using you in such a huge way. And I'm so grateful for how bold and brave you're being. So keep it up, my sister. You are Holy just... boldness, holy boldness. That's what holy I hold boldness. on to. Obedience um, and holy boldness. <laughs> amen. You're amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks so much for being with us.